Kiara. You're listening to a podcast for the Salvation Army Glen Eden. We hope that you are challenged and inspired by what you hear today. If you are ever in Auckland, join us each Sunday at 9.30am or visit salvationarmy.org.nz for more information on the work we do in Aotearoa. Psalm 139, verses 14 to 15. I praise you, God, by the way, in case you were wondering, because I am fearfully, or in other translations, awesomely, awesomely, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And when the Bible says works, it doesn't just mean things that have been made. It means you, your works, your people. Because as you remember last week, we are one of God's creations. We are one of the things that God made and then looked upon and said, it is good. It is good. So your works, your people, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works, your people are wonderful. I know that full well. And the title of the message this morning, if you take notes, is I know that I am. I know that I am. Okay? So... And this is what we're looking at, insecurity. Now, the thing about insecurity is we could have a huge big discussion about what insecurity really means. And um, that's just not something I really want to go into. So what's more important to me is that we understand what insecurity feels like. Because in New Zealand, and I'm not saying it's a good thing, but we have this real, um, we have this thing about being tough, eh? like about being strong. You know, we have um, the highest rate of youth suicide in the world. We have a very high rate of suicide uh, for men. And I think that part of this cultural stuff comes into it. You know, that we've got to be tough. We've got to be strong. You know, don't show weakness. Don't share your feelings. Don't be upset. Don't cry in public. And um, I mean, it's, it's good. It's good to be able to get through the day, but it's not good. It's not good to not be able to share what's really going on inside of us. And so I don't know if many of us would admit to feeling insecure. You know, it sounds a little bit weak, sounds a little bit soft, and it would be great if I could ask you and everyone would put up your hands. I'm not going to ask you to do that this morning, but I want to hopefully explain to you what insecurity looks like in your life. And hopefully then you'll see, okay, yeah, I've definitely felt insecure. (laughs) That's definitely me, even if you don't like the words. So insecurity. You can sum up insecurity in a few very simple words, and I'm going to let you know what those words are. Aren't you lucky? The essence of insecurity is simply this. I am never dot, 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 enough. Enough. I am never dot, 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 fill in the blank, enough. And you can fill in the blank because the thing is the blank part of the sentence changes every day, every season. It might even change every time you're with a different person. But I am never enough is the basic essence of insecurity. And we're going to look at a Bible character this morning, my 
favorite Bible character of all time. I have loved this Bible character since I was a kid, and I always wanted to be his best friend, even though he was dead. That was a really sad part of my story, but anyway. And um, he is a man who struggled hugely with insecurity when God wanted to use him in a powerful way, and he had to overcome the chatterbox in his own life. And that man is Moses. Can I get a whoop whoop for Moses? Yes, that's good. And Moses is my favorite character. And you know, he was a great deliverer in the Bible, wasn't he? He did amazing things for God. But before he could deliver people, God had to deliver him from the voice of the chatterbox. So if you've got a Bible, you can have a look because we're going to learn three things three things that almost completely stopped Moses from understanding and believing in God's plan for his life before he had even started. So Exodus chapter three, Exodus chapter three, starting at verse one, we're looking at the story of Moses. Okay, good, you're awake? Yes, two people, good, okay. I'll speak to you later. Um, (laughs) Exodus three, verse one, now, Now, Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. So Moses is all alone. We know that. He's by himself, unless you count the sheep, which probably in New Zealand we do, don't we? Yeah. Okay, there, verse two. Everyone turn to the person next to you and say, there. There, okay, there. You see, God will often speak to you when He gets you by yourself, when He gets you away from the other voices that are drowning out the voice of God. So verse two, there, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. You know, God can speak in extraordinary ways through ordinary occurrences. Yeah, I could do a whole sermon on that. How often are we looking for God and the giant lit up billboards and he wants to speak to us through the pots and pans that we wash in the sink? But anyway, that's not the sermon, so we'll move on. So Moses saw that the bush was on fire but was not burning up. So he thought to himself, I will go over and see this strange sight, why this bush does not burn. And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to bring them up out of the land that they are in and rescue them from the Egyptians, to bring them into a land that is good and spacious, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. 
God is speaking through a burning bush to a man who didn't expect it. And he calls him by name, Moses, Moses. And when you say something twice in the Bible from God, it means a sign of covenant, a sign of promise. Moses, Moses, I am God, the God who has been around from the beginning of creation. And guess what? I've seen you and I've chosen you and I've got a plan and a purpose for your life and I'm gonna use you to free your people from slavery. Me, God of the universe, choosing you, sending you, Moses, go. And in verse 11, it gets really sad because Moses says to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. Who am I? You know, when we look at this story at first glance, it seems like there are two characters, right? There's God and there's Moses. The burning bush doesn't count. But I hope that from last week, you might be starting to suspect the same thing as me, that maybe there's a third character in this story a character who's just as loud as the other two. And that character is the chatterbox. God shows up in the middle of nowhere and he says to a man named Moses, Moses, it's me, God. And this is who I am. And Moses' instinctive response is often the same as ours. It's not to look at God and say, wow, God, look at who you are. I can't believe you've chosen me. But we look God straight in the face and say, who am I? But who am I that you would choose me? Cheddar. Chatter, 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 chatter. Who am I? Moses is battling insecurity. I am never enough. And there's three things that drive this insecurity for Moses, and they often drive us as well. And the first one is this, I am so dysfunctional. Now you're going to like these points because they all start with the letter D, which makes me really cool. Um, So if you're writing notes, you only have to write three D's this morning. So that's good. I am so dysfunctional. I'm so dysfunctional. You know, the enemy, the chatter, is going to try and use your history to feed your insecurity. The enemy, the chatter, is going to try and use your history to feed your insecurity. You see, God says to Moses, I'm God, I'm sending you. And Moses says right back to God, but who am I? God, I messed up. God, I think I might even be a mistake. God, I'm not worth you choosing me. God, maybe you don't know this, but I'm a murderer. Maybe you don't know this about Moses, but before he was where he was, having this conversation with God, he was a kid. Now that's the obvious part. We were all children once. But he was a kid in Egypt. 
And he was born as an Israelite. He was a Jewish child, but at birth he was adopted by Egyptians. And so he grew up watching his own people being oppressed into slavery from the Egyptian family that he lived with. And one day he decided to take matters into his own hands. And doesn't it go well for us when we try and take matters into our own hands apart from God? Yes, anyone understand that feeling? Okay, so Moses decides to take matters into his own hands. And this is what happens in Exodus chapter 2, verse 11 to 15. Here's the story. One day, after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were, and he watched them hard at their labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Looking this way and that and seeing no one, He killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sands. Sounds like an episode of a show. The next day, he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked one of them in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? And the man said to him, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Yeah, that's right. I saw him. And then Moses was afraid. And he thought, what I did, what I did must have become known. And when Pharaoh heard this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. And now it's many years later, and God has shown up. And a man who ran in hiding... From a murder he committed, a man who didn't fit into either of the cultures he grew up in. Maybe some of you can relate to that this morning. This man, totally unexpected, has God show up at his door in a sense. And he says to him, Moses, Moses, I'm choosing you. I'm calling you. But I hope that you understand your own part in this this morning. Because often as soon as God starts to speak to us about about his plan and purpose for our lives. The chatterbox, the enemy jumps right in there and it tells us why what we have done, why what we have done means we are not qualified to fulfill the plan that God has. What I did must have become known. What you've done means you cannot serve God. And the voice drowns out God's calling for you. I want to give you just a little example of what that means. So um, a little while ago, and it happens all the time, so it's not like an isolated incident, but there was um, like someone that I felt like I was meant to like pray for, not in the service, but just in general. I had this thought, man, I really should go and pray with that person. And I didn't do it. I can't remember what happened. I got distracted by other things, but it never happened. And never happened at the time that I thought it should. But then what happened is just a little while later, I felt like I should pray for someone else. God was asking me to do something. And do you know what the first voice I heard in my head after that was? There's no point you doing that. You didn't pray for the last person. Why would this time be any different? You're not going to do it. In fact, why would you even bother? You're so dysfunctional. What you did means there's really no point trying to do the thing 
that God wants you to do. You see, it's not just the things that we did before we met God that the chatterbox uses, is it? It's actually also the things that haven't changed in our lives now that we have met God. Man, you call yourself a Christian, but you're still struggling with stuff. So God still can't use you. You're not up to God's standard yet for him to be able to do anything with your life. That's the chatter. It's the chatter that Moses was hearing. And it's the chatter we often hear in our own lives. I wonder if you've ever asked yourself this question. How can God know who I really am and still love me? Anyone ever asked themselves that before? Did you know that question is a lie? Did you know it's a lie? It's chatter. Because what if, what if actually the reason that God loves you is because he knows who you really are? Not in spite of it, but we've heard lies for so long in our lives. What is the truth of the Bible about this? I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works, your people are wonderful. I know that full well. So the first thing that we have to battle is this lie that I am so dysfunctional, that what I did eliminates me, disqualifies me from fulfilling God's purpose for my life. That's the first lie that we need to crash. And the second one is this, I am so deficient. Are you still following? Is it making sense? Are you kind of getting it? Maybe some of you um, have never heard the chatterbox before, so this doesn't feel relevant, but that's okay. You can um, be honest and talk to me about it later. Um, I am so deficient. Deficiency, lacking what is needed, a problem with the way something is made. So I want you to help me out here. I am so deficient. What are some ways that we tell ourselves that we are deficient? I'll give you an example of one, okay? Because in the first example, we're talking about how we're not enough, where we fall short, that we are messed up. But this is about something more specific. It's about what we lack in our lives. I'm not smart enough. I'm not talented enough. What are some other things? What are you here? You don't have to tell me about your chatterbox. You can tell me about the person's next to you. Tell me what theirs says, if that makes you feel more comfortable. <laughs> Too short. Mm, yeah, yeah, good. What else? What are some other things? What do we say to ourselves? You're useless. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely. You're useless. So I can't do anything. Too shy. Too shy? That's a good one, yeah. What else? Too old. Too old, yeah. Anything else? You guys are so... <laughs> Too stupid, yeah. Yep. Too embarrassed to admit to um, the preacher what I'm actually thinking. No, that's okay. There's stuff, though, that we say. 
We think that we lack things. That means that God could never use us. Now, I want to tell you one area of my life as an example where you can get freedom, and I hope this helps you see the difference. Now, for those of you who know me, one of the things that you might be able to say about me that you think might be one of mine is that I am too disorganized. Now, the reason you might think that is because you've known me for longer than five minutes, um, and there's lots of things that I'm not that organized with. But I don't feel trapped by this because in this area, not in every area of my life, but in this area, I understand that there is a difference between the things I'm not great at and those things becoming my identity. So I might have areas of my life where I need to be better organized, but it doesn't make that who I am. Can you see the difference? So do I hit my snooze uh, button on my phone four times in the morning and then Jordan has to like basically yell at me that we're leaving in five minutes? Yes, absolutely. That happens almost every morning in my house. And are my emails to DHQ always about a week late? Absolutely. Consistently they are. But do you know when I started planning this series? Last year. Last year. So yeah, I can improve in some areas of my life. That is, that is definitely true. But I am not disorganized. It is not who I am. And yes, there might be some things that you could be better at, but those things are not who you are. Could you increase your knowledge? Could you study more? Yes, but are you stupid? No. No. Could you take some singing lessons if you want to, you know, start to understand pitch and tune like me, because I'm, you know, really behind in that area. Yeah, you could. But does it mean I'm not talented because I can't sing? No. But those things often become who we are, and that is a lie. That is the chatter. That is the chatter. And here's Moses' chatter in verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken. I am slow of speech and tongue. In other words, God, I never have been, and nothing's changed in the last 10 minutes, good at speaking. I don't think you've got the right guy for this job of going and talking to Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world. God, I am so deficient. I'm so deficient. But here's the truth that we've got to start getting into our lives this morning. And this can change your life. Because here's the truth. If God left it out of you, then you don't need it to fulfill the calling that God has on your life. If you needed to be smarter, you'd be smarter. If you needed to be louder, you'd be louder. If you needed to be an extrovert, you'd be an extrovert. If you needed to have a beautiful voice, you'd have a beautiful voice. And if you don't have it now, then you must not needed to do what God has called you to do. And sometimes he might tell you to do things that you're not good at, but clearly he's going to take care of that part for you. So what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Man, do you get this this morning? This is freedom for your life because the thing that has been holding you back because you've looked at yourself and 
and gone, man, I fall short. I'm so deficient. God is saying, you have everything you need right now. Everything you need. And if you think the thing I've called you to means that you're missing something, then guess what? I've got your back and I'm going to cover that for you. So don't even worry about it. Don't even worry about it. You're not deficient because in me, there is everything you need. But that's the voice of insecurity speaking to us. You know, in the story, God does these pretty cool miracles, you know, because God's pretty like, you know, likes to show off every now and then. And uh, he does these cool, cool things, like he gets Moses to throw down his staff and it becomes a snake. Whoa! And uh, then he gets Moses to put his hand in his pocket and bring it out, and it's all like diseased, and Moses is like, ah! And uh, actually, that's not really there. I interpreted that myself. And Moses had a really high-pitched voice, yeah. And uh, then he gets him to put it back in, and it comes out again, and it's healed. So he does these amazing things to show Moses. He's like, I got this, Moses. I am so down. I am so in control right now. I'm going to help you do these really cool things. But Moses is still freaking out. He's still hearing the voice of the chatter. And did you know that we can see God do amazing things and still be insecure? That's a real thing. That's a real thing. You know, um, when I decided to become a Salvation Army officer, one thing you have to do is apply for training college where you go and get training for two years, which absolutely makes you ready for what you're about to do. (laughs) Jokes. And um, so you apply for college. Now, I applied for college in about November to be accepted for January, starting And um, there's a lot of paperwork that you have to do. You have to go for three sets of interviews and a weekend away. But I got in. (laughs) They were desperate at the time. Um, No. And did you know, did you know that when you go for your interviews during the process, one of the things they ask you, and feminist friends, don't panic, they ask this of the men as well. But if you're single, they say to you, are you aware that if you decide to become an officer as a single person, it might make it really difficult for you to meet someone and get married? Oh, didn't work, didn't work. And did you know, did you know that about two weeks before we found out that we were coming to Glen Eden, that I had a really strong sense from God that we were moving to Auckland, somewhere I had never thought about living before? God does amazing things. And yet when I'm having a bad day, when I'm feeling vulnerable, like we talked about last week, it's not those amazing things that I remember. I wish it was. I really wish it was. But more often than not, it's the voice of the chatter. And I said that I was going to be honest with you in the series, and so I'm being honest with you right now. And the voice of the chatter in, this, in these moments says to me, why are you even doing this? You are so deficient. You don't have the skills that you need to do this job. Are you crazy? Why do you even bother? There are so many people who could do this better than you. 
You're never going to have what the Salvation Army needs you to have in order to do this the right way or the well way or to make as many people happy or to help as many people as you want to help. God totally picked the wrong person. Maybe he didn't even pick me at all. Maybe I was dreaming. That's the voice of the chatter. I am so deficient. And I guess that's why I love Moses, because I can relate to him. Pardon your servant, Lord, but I've never been a good speaker. You can see God do amazing things and still be insecure. But here's what happens in verse 11 and verse 12. Because God asks Moses a question. He says, Moses, who made you? Who made you? Was it not me, God? You don't think I knew what you were good at? You don't think I knew what you'd done? You don't think I know who you are when I asked you to do this job? Who made you? Me. And I'm asking you, I'm calling you to do this. I'm calling you to do this. But the problem is that we often do this thing called comparison. Have you ever done that before? And we compare our own calling to somebody else's calling. And this is when we get into trouble. You know, I thought I was doing pretty well with my Christmas plans last year till I checked Instagram. Mm, mm. What a mistake. Seriously, like I love Christmas and I think of myself as being a Christmas person and I was getting like a real tree because I'm all about the real smell, okay? So I was getting a real tree and um, I was getting stockings and I was gonna have a pretty table and it was gonna be all decorated. And then I looked at my Instagram and I have a friend who decorates every single room in their entire house. Their entire house. And they already had their presents underneath the tree, like on the 1st of December. And it was like stacked. And I was like, I was thinking about one present under the tree and they've got like 50 under the tree. And they didn't just have one Christmas tree. They had like four Christmas trees and their lights were brighter and they had more decorations and they had a centerpiece on their table and I was just gonna have food. And all of a sudden, my Christmas that I was really about was totally suck. It was like so dumb. Why even bother having Christmas? It's not like that person's Christmas. And when I compared my Christmas to theirs, it didn't look great. But I was so happy with my Christmas when it was for me, when it was about my family and my friends. And as soon as I compared it to what someone else was doing, it didn't measure up anymore. And we do this with the calling on our own lives. You see, we might have everything we need, to fulfill our calling. But guess what? We don't have everything we need to fulfill somebody else's calling. So when you look at someone who's preaching on the stage and you compare yourself to them and say, man, I can't speak like that. Maybe you're not meant to be a preacher, but I guarantee you, you have everything you need to do what God wants you to do. Or where you see someone singing or worshiping on the stage and you go, man, I can't play any instruments. Yeah. 
yeah, maybe you can't, neither can I. Well, actually, I'd like to learn the spoons, maybe. That would be cool. But maybe you can't do those things. But if you compare your calling to someone else's, you will always for sure. But you have everything you need to do what God has called you to do. So you need to stay in your lane. Stop checking Instagram and looking at other people's Christmases. Enjoy your own because you loved it. And maybe you could love what God has called you to do. So here's Moses with all these excuses. God, I'm so dysfunctional. I've made too many mistakes. But God says, Moses, I know who you are and I've chosen you anyway. And Moses says, but God, I'm so deficient. I'm not a good speaker. I can't do what you've asked me to do. And God says, but I made you, Moses. I can give you everything you need. And he's running out of things that he can argue God with. Ever tried to argue with God? (laughs) Works never. And um, then he gets to the end of himself. And he's got nothing left. And he says this in verse 13. Pardon your servant. Please send someone else. No excuses this time. Just begging. Please, God, send someone else. Number three, I am so doubtful. I'm so doubtful. And it's not God that we doubt. It's not that we don't think God can do it. We doubt us. We doubt that God can do it through us. Yeah, God, I know that you can deliver the Israelites. I know that you can set them free from slavery. I don't doubt that for a second. But do I doubt that I could be a part of that plan? Absolutely. God, because I'm so deficient and I'm so dysfunctional and I'm so doubtful that I could be a part of your great plan. Send somebody else. Send somebody better. Send someone who's made less mistakes. I am so doubtful. And here's the cool thing in verse 14. Because although God is a little bit peeved, and we won't go into it, but do you know what he says? Moses, I'm not giving up on you. And even if you don't believe in yourself, I believe in you. And I'm going to use you anyway until you finish with this doubt. And you've got some homework to do because you need to read the rest of this story with your eyes open. Because what is incredible is you will see how at the beginning of the story, as it goes on, that Moses' brother Aaron does all the talking. It says in the scripture that Aaron spoke, that Aaron said, but what you will see over time as Moses begins to crash the chatterbox of insecurity, that by the time you get to the end of the story, and it's really exciting, it says that Moses said. Have you ever noticed that change before in the scripture? Ooh, it's really cool. Moses said, yes, somebody crashed that chatterbox along the way. Somebody started to believe that God had a plan for their lives. And that man's name was Moses. So have a look at it. Have a look. We doubt ourselves. It's not God. So what do we do? How do we crash dysfunction? How do we crash doubt? And how 
do we crash this idea that we are never enough? It's just one simple thing. And it's actually further back in the chapter. And Moses wasn't ready for it, but I hope you're ready for it this morning. Are you ready for it? Yes, some people are. Okay, here we go. Exodus chapter three, verse 13. This is what it says. Moses said to God, okay, just suppose I do. I'm not. But let's suppose I do go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what's his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. Wait, okay. (laughs) Sorry, God. Um, The connection was just breaking up a little bit there. So I heard you say, I am, but I didn't catch the end part. So can you just can you just say that again? Yeah, I am yeah who? I am who I am. Yeah, yeah, okay. I get the I am part, but I'm just like the name. I just need to give me the name that I'm gonna tell people. So I am, I am who I am. Good. That's the whole name. Great. It's really going to help me uh, tell the Israelites who you are. I'm not going to seem crazy at all. Thanks, God. But I am who I am. And this is what Moses didn't get at the time, but I hope that we will get this morning. Because what does this name even mean? I am who I am. Did you know that it's a present tense word? What is God saying to Moses? I'm not just the God of your ancestors. I'm not the God who was 100 years ago. I am the God of 2017. I am the God in your moment right now. I'm the God who sees the fact that you're still struggling with stuff, that there's still areas of your life where you're not perfect. And guess what? I'm your God. I am who I am to you right now in this moment. And I'm still calling you. No excuses. I am right now. Almost like God says, I is. Okay, I is. And here's the last thing that it means. You know, um, when I got married, I decided to not change my name and my last name, obviously not my first name. And uh, one of the reasons that I decided not to do that is because my name was important to me. My name meant something to me. And because I believe in equality for women, then I was allowed to keep my name just as much as Jordan was allowed to keep his. But it was a part of who I was. It signified the journey that my family had been on, and not that that journey was perfect by any means, but it still defined who I am. And let me tell you what happened when you became a Christian. You took on a name. Actually, you gave up your name, and I gave up mine. And you took on the name of Jesus Christ, and you became a part of His family. And your identity is now found in His name and who He is. That is who you are. And so when you say, I am deficient, God says, but I am who I am and who I am, you are. And I am not deficient. Don't say that about me. Did you know that when you insult a product, you insult the person who made it? You know that what you say about yourself says something about the God who created you the way that you are? Did you know that? Oh, 
That's a big thing to say. When you hate the way that you look or the, you don't like the things that you're good at, do you know what that says to God? That he made a mistake. Do you know whose fault that is? His. His. You say something about God when you say something about you. But you are a follower of Jesus. So what you say about you is what God says about him. And God says, I am sufficient. So guess what? You are sufficient. And God says, I am graceful. And that means that you say about yourself, I have received grace. And God says that I am faithful and confident. And so what do you say about yourself? I believe in me and in the God that I serve. I am who I am, but I am who God says that He is and who God says that I am. And so this week, this week, when you are faced with the voice of the chatterbox that tells you that you are not good enough, you're gonna meet that voice with something else. You're gonna say, I know who I am. I am God's child. I know who I am. I am enough because God makes me so. And you're not gonna listen to the lie that you've been hearing that tells you otherwise. Or at least we're all gonna try, yeah? We can only try. And when you fail, which you might, don't let the chatterbox tell you not to try again. I am who I am. And who I am is who God says He is.